What's up, you guys? It's your girl, Nia Che, back again with another installment of oh, Dynasty Queens. I have my beautiful host, Pamela Nicole. What's up, what's up, y'all? And of course, I'm Nia J. And before we get started, you guys, today's episode was brought to you by our official sponsor, Fashion Nova. So go ahead, go to that website, check out their 40% off of all the fall fashions. Tell them that I sent you. Make sure to scan that QR code right here at the bottom of the screen. Let's do it. Fall fashions, Fashion Nova. Y'all, y'all, I can't even begin to tell y'all about this week's episode, who we've got in the building. Okay, I've got the vivacious, well-renowned speaker, author, Adiba Nelson in the building. Holla! <laughs> hey, y'all. Hey. Thank you for having me. Um, absolutely, my dear. Absolutely. So so we can let our viewers know a little bit about you, Miss Adiba. Would you like to tell us a little bit about your background? Tell us where you're from and how Adiba got started. Well, how Adiba got started is a whole nother story. <laughs> different episode. <laughs> uh, no, I'm originally from New York City and um, moved to Arizona for junior high, high school, went to college out here, um, then moved to Texas for about four years, had my daughter, where I met Miss Pamela Nicole, um, instant besties, sisters for life, um, and then moved back to Arizona. And my daughter was born... Um, in 2009 and at about 10 months or two months in, I realized that there was something going on about 10 months. She got diagnosed with cerebral palsy and bilateral schizencephaly. And that kind of changed direction, changed my direction in life um, to where I knew I needed to be her advocate. And so that led me into the role of disability rights advocate and activist. Um, but then in 2011, when she was about two, I couldn't find any children's books that she could see herself in. And me being the mom that I am, I kind of went into like a little bit of mom rage. Um, so I couldn't find anything. And so I wrote one for her um, and publisher didn't want to publish it because they said it was too niche and that the world wasn't ready for a book about little black girls with disabilities. And I was like, well, that's some bullshit. <laughs> um, and I was like, well, we're here now and I don't have time to wait for the world to be ready. So I published it myself. And that led to me getting into freelance journalism and blogging. I had a blog, um, I don't know if you remember Pam, uh, Spit Up is Sexy. <laughs> I had to kind of get me through postpartum depression. Um, and one thing led to another. And that led to me writing my memoir, Ain't That a Mother, which, um, shameless plug, I have it right here. Do. Um, and that book is now being developed into a TV show. So proud of it. Which I get to do executive producer and creative consultant. And hopefully now that the strike is over, I'll also be a writer on the show. Right. Oh, I love that. Okay. So let's take it back a little bit. Um, you said you grew up in New York City. You moved to Arizona. Um, so what was it like when you found out that you were having um, a little one? And then did you find out... Um, about her conditions uh, prior to her birth, or was it after? What was that um, experience like? Well, when I initially found out, I burst into hysterical laughter. Like, could like what? 
excuse me, I took plan B. This is not happening. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Note to y'all watching this, um, plan B is not for the big girls, no. just so you know. Um, if you have a BMI over, I believe, 35 or 38, or you weigh over 150 pounds, that shit ain't working. You go get right now. So, oh wow, okay. yeah, that's good to know. Like, I don't think the ladies look, and even like y'all know, okay, yeah. like because yeah, they don't put it on the box, right? So, <laughs> on the little, like, who reads the pamphlet when you're just trying <laughs> you're not trying to get pregnant? <laughs> I don't care, just, what it says. just get it in my body. <laughs> so, if it's on there, ain't nobody reading no. it. Um, so I feel like it's my duty to let the people know, like, double up, do something. <laughs> Um, but when I first found out, I was in just hysterical laughter and then insane crying because like, what, what even is life right now? Um, and then my daughter was born. We didn't know my pregnancy was kind of weird. Um, I thought I was miscarrying. I did miscarry, but I didn't miscarry her. There was a twin that we didn't know about that was in there. Um, so that was kind of a wild time. I was on bed rest for a little bit. I loved being pregnant, but pregnancy didn't necessarily love me. <laughs> uh, and um, we did a lot of ultrasounds because it was considered high risk at some point, but there was never any indication on any of the ultrasounds or sonograms that there was anything not typical in her development. Um, but then she was born and her left arm was much smaller than her right arm. Um, she was white, which was weird, which didn't have anything to do with her disability. But I'm clearly not white and her dad is also not white. So I was like, what is happening? How did, how did we get here? Um, and just there was just no indication that there was anything not normal happening. Um, but my background was in social work and child development. So at about two months of age, I just started to notice that she wasn't hitting her milestones. And I knew what all the milestone, milestones were up to age five because of the work that I had been doing as a social worker. I worked with children and families, specifically new moms, in doing surveys and questionnaires with their new babies and making sure they're meeting their milestones. So I knew what was supposed to be happening and I knew it wasn't happening. Um, and I went back and forth with her pediatrician quite a bit who just never really believed me that there was these things that were not developing. She just kept saying, you know, oh, babies all develop at their own rate. Oh, baby's bones are malleable. Oh, she'll be fine. Da, 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 da. It's like, look, you're not listening. And so we finally, when she was about nine months, got a referral to Shriners um, Hospital in Houston but she gave us a referral only for her arm. And I was telling her, like, I think there's something neurologically happening here. Um, so when we got to Shriners, the um, orthopedist came in. She's like, oh, okay, let's take a look at her arm. I'm like, no, let's take a look at her brain. I think there's something else completely happening. And I told her what was going on. And she's like, oh, okay, yeah, I think you could be right. Like, But we have to get a neurologist in here. And so she immediately called the neurologist to come into the appointment. And he did just a quick exam with my daughter. He's like, yeah, there's definitely something that's not clicking. Something's not happening. So they ordered an MRI. And literally on April Fool's Day, we got the results back of the MRI. And 
confirmed exactly what I had thought, which was cerebral palsy and bilateral schizencephaly. So, so going back a little bit, um, what were some, before you even took her to the doctor, what were some of the indicators that you had just being her mother that you knew something was wrong? Like what was besides her arm, what else was happening? Sure. Um, so she wasn't like cooing and babbling like a lot of babies do at like birth to two months. They make all those fun, cute little sounds like that wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. She couldn't hold herself upright. She couldn't hold her head upright. Um, she couldn't hold on to her bottle. Um, tummy time was pretty difficult and holding her head up during tummy time was extra difficult. She wasn't rolling over. She couldn't get into an all fours position. She couldn't crawl. She couldn't army crawl. Like all these things that babies do at various stages just wasn't happening at all. Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty clear to me, but the doctor yeah. didn't. So. <laughs> And the doctors were like, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It took me being like, okay, fine. We'll take the arm recommendation. Mm-hmm. And then finally getting in front of some people who could listen. Well, do you, but do you feel like, and I, I've heard this a lot with, um, with black women. Like, do you feel that the doctor just wasn't hearing you based on just demographics? Do you feel like it wasn't that big of a deal? At the time, yeah. just, she just didn't care. Or do you really feel like, because I feel like a lot of us go through that where we are not getting the right kind of health care that we should oh, be. for sure. I absolutely felt, when I look back on the whole entire experience from delivery to those first few days in the hospital to then meeting with her pediatrician, I think so much of it had to do with me being a Black woman. The pediatrician on call the day that I gave birth came in and was just real was like "Mm, mm." she has this arm and it's called herbs palsy and here's a piece of paper with some stretches do those wow when what should have happened was i should have immediately been referred to an early intervention program where she would have been getting physical therapy from day one Mm -hmm. i was handed a piece of paper and said whatever whatever movement she has by age four to five months is what she will have and he left the room that was it. That was it. Um, when I was having going really going through my postpartum, like I had it bad. Um, they make you fill out uh, like a questionnaire when you go back for your six week checkup after you have your baby, and I scored like I think the highest you can score is like thirty or thirty five, and I scored twenty like twenty five or twenty eight, crazy high, and I refused treatment and. I feel like at that point, my doctor should have been like, you're not leaving here without something. I can't leave you to take care of your baby when you score it this high. But she's like, okay, well, all right. What do you think made you feel that you had to refuse the treatment? Like what, I mean, what was it? Was it like your own personal ideology? You felt like you didn't need it or at the time you were in denial Uh, That's a really good question. Um, I think it's a few things. I think part of it is the culture. You know, I'm Afro-Latina, so Black and Puerto Rican, and we don't do therapy. Like, that's just not a thing in our culture. Um, I was raised in the church, so you give it to God. Pray it away, right? Right. Um, And then I was just like, I was in such a state that just like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. 
So it's a mixture of all the things. Like, A, we don't do this. B, I'll just pray. And C, like, it's no big deal. It was absolutely a big deal. And this idea that as Black folks or Hispanic folks, like, we don't do therapy, like, that's got to go out the window. And I'm glad we're seeing a, a shift in that where we're seeing specifically more people of color in commercials about therapy because you never used to see that, right? No, never. Yeah, never. So I love that we're seeing that, but I want to see more. And I want to see more Hispanic folks in these commercials. I want to see more Latinx folks. I want to see these commercials in Spanish. I want to really break down this idea that this is not something that we don't do in La Cultura because not doing it in La Cultura is actually killing La Cultura. Mm. I think I think that's a new idea for a new project, baby girl. With what time? (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of that's a good problem to have. Yeah, that's a really good problem to have. When you're saying with what time, that means somebody's getting to the money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of time, um, Mm -hmm. we. Miss Emery is 14 now, so time has flown yes. by. Um, yes. So during that time, so from birth to 14, this is a huge transition. We talked about your first book, which is your illustration book. For Miss Emery, can you tell us a little bit about Meet Clarabelle Blue? Yeah, absolutely. So Meet Clarabelle Blue is based loosely on my own daughter. Um, it's about this little girl, Clarabelle Blue, who she's real feisty. She's um, lots of energy, but she's like the new kid and she wants to start at the school. And one of the other kids is like, well, what can she do? You know, she's got this wheelchair and these braces. And Claire Bell's mom is like, she's just like you. Like she likes to play and she likes to jump rope and she likes to be silly and help in class. And the whole message of the book is really centers around inclusion and this idea that kids are kids are kids and they just want to be kids at the end of the day it doesn't matter how a kid presents in this world they're just like you and at the end of the day like they need to be kissed and hugged and tucked into bed by their parents you know they want to eat the mac and cheese they want the dino nuggets like they're just kids regardless of how they are in the world and so it it kind of fosters this idea of regardless of how a kid presents you can still play you can still be friends they're literally just like you and that's just such a beautiful message, too, because I know me growing up, I would be inquisitive, like, oh, why is she in a wheelchair? Or why why is he on crutches? What What is that? And it was always so taboo to even, like, mm-hmm. think that. Like, don't don't worry about it. Don't, don't ask. Don't go up to them. And it just gives yeah. that sense of fear at an early age. So when you grow up, mm-hmm. it's just it, it just follows you as you progress in life. Yeah. And you do that, right. babe, it's... You broke the mold with that book, girl. Thank you. Thank you. I I think that also shows a lot like um, for today's child, because like, like Pam said, a lot of kids, when they bully or, you know, say mean things to children, it's because they don't understand what's happening before their eyes. No one is taking the time to explain to them, hey, that's okay. This is a normal child, just like you. They're just, you know, dealing with something different in their life. So the fact that you were able to put that um, through a children's book narrative so they can understand and comprehend what's going on. I think that's really beautiful. Um, And it speaks a lot about where your mindset was. Now, going back a little bit, 
before we jumped all the way to the book, what were some of the things um, when you were dealing with the postpartum? What was the point where you were like, okay, now's the time to get the therapy. Like, let's do it. What clicked in your mind or what happened, you know, to get you on that trajectory? I never did the therapy. Oh, you never did therapy? Not for postpartum. I, yeah, which was not, it's not a thing you should do. It is not a thing you should do. You should absolutely do therapy because some of the thoughts that I was having were so intrusive and so violent. Um, it's scary to think of how intense it got and how I did not seek help. Like I did not seek help. Um, and it really puts into perspective what women who don't seek help and take that next step. Like I was maybe days away from that next step before the fog just kind of lifted. And I thank God that the fog lifted because, yeah, no, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. And in hindsight, after talking to my OBGYN now, she told me, she's like, babe, that wasn't postpartum depression. You were borderline postpartum psychosis. That's very different from postpartum depression. Very different. And so I would, if I had to do it over again, I would insist at that when I scored on that survey, I would insist I'm not leaving here until you give me something, whether it's a pill, whether it's a referral, whether you bring someone in this office right now. But I I didn't do that. I just, I literally was like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And I think God knew better or whomever, Sky Daddy, whomever, like just, it finally just kind of lifted one day. Um, But yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't do the therapy. What defines uh, the difference between postpartum depression versus psychosis? What's what are some key differences for the viewers to know about? So I don't have a clinical answer, if you will. Okay. Now I'm not a doctor, so please look this up in <laughs> rare time for yourself. Um, but psychosis is when you start to have those intrusive, violent thoughts. Okay. Um, like for instance, I was too afraid to take my daughter outside because I was like on a walk through our neighborhood because I was pretty sure that there were going to be rabid dogs that were going to come along and just tear her limb from them. Um, too afraid to actually give her a bath myself because I was afraid that I might drown her and would it be intentional or would it be accidental? Right. I didn't know. Which would it be? Right. Whereas depression is how it started with me just not wanting to do anything. Literally shuffling around my house. Pam, I don't know if you remember that god-awful blue robe. I remember the blue robe. (laughs) Yes. Just shuffling around my house in this horrible blue robe, sitting in my kitchen, staring out the window, drinking coffee like it was water. Um, Black coffee at that. And I don't drink black coffee. Um, But just crying for no reason. Not wanting to do anything. Reading my daughter, Edgar Allan Poe, at like days old. That's not appropriate. Definitely not. (laughs) Not appropriate. But I was like, well, I'm reading to her, though. (laughs) But are you? (laughs) Are you, though? Um, So it just, it moves from just in the state of like not being able to be happy, not Mm -hmm. being able to find joy, to really intrusive, oh, this, this could be bad. Wow. I'm about to shake my baby. I could drown her. 
It's, it's like, yeah, it, it's it's serious, and it's not talked about enough within our community. Like, I so hard in the book on yeah. it because yeah. we don't talk. I'm sorry, there's a, a nap. <laughs> um, we don't talk about it, and it needs to be talked about because so many women experience it but don't know what it is or don't have someone they can find in because there's this judgment around oh my god if you don't absolutely love your baby the minute they're born then you're a horrible parent well i'm not a i'm a great parent but i did not like my kid i didn't even like myself i wanted nothing to do with anybody right yeah you know, Ooh, and you know we don't have enough of that realism that's the beautiful part she of course the baby did right a fantastic novel where she talks more in depth about just from her own point of view, what she went through and who is going to be that honest and raw about pregnancy and postpartum. Nobody's so willing to just do that. And Adipa, like I said, has broken so many molds just to be real. We need that. Like everybody, pregnant women, just anybody, they need that realism. You know, exactly. Do you feel like writing was a form of therapy for you? Absolutely. I have often said many times writing has saved my life on so many occasions. And if I'm, if I'm going to keep it real with y'all, like writing probably saved my daughter's life when I was going through postpartum Mm -hmm. because that's when I had my blog and I would first thing in the morning before anyone would wake up, I would sit there and just write all my angst into this blog. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like writing is the first form of therapy I've ever known. And it will be the last form of therapy I ever know. And it's, it's hard to be a mom and a writer because I feel like I'm often having to choose between being a mother and being an artist, Mm -hmm. but my writing has saved my life. Right. my writing has loved me when I couldn't love me so how do I choose something else over that but also I'm a mom so I have to (laughs) so yeah it's it's a toughie but writing absolutely was my first and will be my last form of therapy oh we do want to talk about another therapy of yours Miss Adiba and you know where we're going with this with the burlesque you Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm a semi-retired burlesque performer. Um, my stage name was the Big Bang McGillicuddy. Um, or just Big Bang or Bang. Okay. I all of that. <laughs> um, I danced for six years and I absolutely love it. It's the best form it is a form of therapy mm-hmm. um in the form of self-love um because you don't now thank god now where i live you have more black performers but for up until the time i retired i think i was the black performer because the other girl i think she had stopped performing um and tashua had stopped performing and um yeah gypsy danger had stopped harley had stopped um Desiree had stopped. Yeah, it was just me. And I'm a big black girl. I'm not skinny. Um, I got <laughs> This is a weave, but I got kinky hair up under here. And I was up on that stage burning that shit down. Hey. And I okay. love it. And the reason I love burlesque is because it pushes you past your limit, right? Mm-hmm. Way out of your comfort zone. 
but it also challenges people's ideas and notions about what is beautiful and what is sexy. Because average Joe in the back of the bar would never see me on the street and be like, ooh, that girl's fire. But let me get on stage and some fishnets and a thong and have a banana and a little Susie Homemaker house dress and burn that stage down. He's up there throwing 20s on stage. Okay. He's like, oh, no, I like big black girls. Yes, honey. <laughs> I was going to ask, what were some of the things that you incorporated into your show? But you mentioned a banana. Okay. What are some other um, things that you had within your burlesque show? Um, so the very first act was um, the Nutty Naughty Housewife. It's like a 50s housewife with like the cute frilly dress. And then she had her bag of tricks, which had a banana and a cucumber. And... Um, a vibrator and a whisk. So that was that act. I did an act to Beyonce's partition where I portrayed the chauffeur who was basically challenging the idea that, oh, just because y'all got the window up don't mean shit ain't happening up here too. Um, Wait a minute. That is a whole new perspective. What made you think of that? Because I was like, B, you can't, you ain't doing it up here having fun. <laughs> like, sure. What you doing? Because you, right. you hear what's going on and possibly see. Right. Like, just because you push that partition up, you can't see up here either, boo. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, mind blown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It was, and that involved leather and spikes and a crop rider. And yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Um, let me think of some. I did um, a voodoo act um, to Chloe and Hallie's. Um, oh, gosh, I forget what it's called. Deep, maybe. I don't know. Um, but it's this really bass heavy song where um my friend Jaime played this man that I was in love with, but I put a voodoo spell on him. And um, I had a voodoo doll like in the back of my um, skirt and uh, I had blindfolds and handcuffs. And every time like I stabbed the voodoo doll, he would have like a different reaction. And then like I stabbed him in the heart and he like did this like blood spouted out. Oh. <laughs> he was like crawling off the stage. <laughs> wow. So, um, there's been there's been some really fun acts. Um, there was a, a body love act that I did um, to Freakum Dress, okay. but it was a Christmas themed um, show. So my girlfriend dressed up as a Christmas tree, <laughs> like <laughs> lights and a star, and um, I had presents under the tree. But each present I opened, I was like dressed in like another robe <laughs> and some homely little house slippers. And each present was a big poster board with a self-love message oh, on it. Wow. Um, and I was so excited. And the last box I opened was um, a box of glitter high heel pumps, like stilettos. And so I get up and I run behind this Christmas tree I take off the robe and I come out in like this gold sequence mini dress. And that was a really funny act because I had sewn a zipper into the side and wardrobe malfunction on stage. That dress did not want to come all the way off. What? I had made the top 
kind of like uh, snaps so that I could just kind of tear it off once the zipper was up. Yeah. I couldn't get the zipper all the way off. And the song was like coming to an end and I had to show my titties. And I was like, oh, well, here you go. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Do what you got to do. They came for a show. Give them a show. show. Give them a show. Wow. That's really cool. How did you get into burlesque? So we had a burlesque mentorship program here. And a girlfriend of mine had done the mentorship and had the show was doing the showcase and invited me to the showcase. Um, and so I went and I had danced growing up for like 11 years. So I had danced background and I saw the show. I was like, Oh, I can absolutely do this. Mm-hmm. And it just looked like so much fun. And it was kind of the combination or the combining of both things. I love dance and storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, because for me, I mean, your act can be whatever you want it to be. But for me, there's always a story that I'm telling with my act. Um, And sometimes it's political. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's just sexy. Right. Um, Because there's time for that too. Right. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's bang for a reason. Hello. Um, But I saw the showcase and I was like, I want to do this. And so I did the mentorship. And I, I was, I just knew that it was what I was going to do for a really long time. And I did six years is a good run for me at my big age of doing burlesque. Um, but yeah, and one of my girlfriends, she's disabled and she performs, her name is Jacqueline Boss and she performs in her wheelchair. And we did an act together in her wheelchair to Beyonce's flawless. Um, because if you look at both of us, the world would see us as flawed we're like, nah, after that, we are absolutely not. And when I tell you that girl flipped upside down in her wheelchair and I was still just like, hold on, wait, 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 I can't wait. <laughs> so I was like, can we just, can I do something else while you're flipping upside down? <laughs> okay, she's still in the show over here. Like, <laughs> I was like, you know what? Just wheel away, bitch, wheel away. Wheel away. <laughs> um, but no, it was one of our most streamed performances because you just don't see that. You don't see a big black girl and a girl in a wheelchair with leotards and spikes and studs and studded sunglasses mm-hmm. and just killing it. Yeah. Funny fact, both of y'all are huge Beyonce fans. Huge. Okay, I was like, oh, I keep hearing everything. Oh, everything you were saying like, yes. Freaking dress. Yes. I'm like, okay. Funny story, Nia, yes. when uh, Diva came out, we used to do a pun. It'd be, I'm a, a diva. I'm a, I'm a, a diva. Aww. <laughs> and I about a diva, the diva. Okay. I still swear that she's saying my name. I don't care if that song is called Diva. Like, I'm going to say my name every time. <laughs> talking to you, girl. Diva yes. is a female yes. version of a hustler. Okay. Yes, that is true. That is true. Now, speaking of audiences, love, um, you wowed the crowd with burlesque. Tell us about mm-hmm. you wowing the crowd at your TED Talk. Oh, yeah, that was, gosh, 2017. Um, it was such an experience. It was something that I literally just put on Facebook, like, I want to do a TED Talk before I'm 40. And like five minutes later, someone's like, oh, hey, here's Mary. She organizes TED Talks. Go talk to her. I was like, what? Uh, okay. That's <laughs> fast. <laughs> Um, but I did it. It was called Skating Downhill, The Art of Claiming Your Life. And the whole message behind it is that 
there are so many things that are going to try to get in your path, get in your way of you achieving your dreams, reaching your purpose, you know, living in, in what you're supposed to be doing in life. Um, but are you going to let those things stop you? Or are you going to go after it face first as I skidded down a hill <laughs> on roller skates at age like eight or something, um, busting my butt. It was awful, but I kept going. Right. Um, and it's this idea of, you know, when you're walking down that path of life, you're going to come across obstacles. If you think of it in the terms of a forest, there's a tree. You're walking down a path and a tree is going to fall down. You have two, two or numerous options, right? You're on your way somewhere, but there's something in your way. You can turn around and be like, well, I guess I can't go any further. Or you can walk around it. You can step over it. You can cut through it and keep going. What are you going to do when that obstacle lands in your way? Those trees can be people. They can be ideas. They can be life issues. It can be health. It can be our own intrusive thoughts. But how do we handle them but still stay focused on our purpose and our path? That really sounds like juggling like life. And I think um, us as human beings, we really need to... um, find those tactics and stuff. It it seems like you kind of found your niche when it came to writing and expressing yourself creatively. So what do you think are some things like the everyday person can do? Like what are some other, you said you wanted to think of like other ways to envelop therapy into your everyday life. What are some things that people can do to kind of just be like, you know, breathe? (laughs) Oh gosh. Um, If you like nature, I mean, if you're into outside, not. <laughs> I don't do outdoors like that, but absolutely like going outside, getting some fresh air, yeah. um, trying new things, like taking you out of your comfort zone, out of your element, <clears throat> um, because that will really open up a lot of doors for you and tap into some, some parts of yourself that you didn't even know existed. Right. right? Um, I dance a lot in my kitchen, in my house, in the car, in Target. In the car, for um, sure. <laughs> yes, in the car, for sure. Absolutely. It's a whole little concert happening in there. I got my own renaissance going on. Okay, let them know. <laughs> yes. Um, but there's so much, just, I always tell people, like, break out of what you know. Break out of what you know. Discover something else. See what else you can respond to. Within legal limits, you know, and and it's it's so great. I love you know. I've always looked to you for like advice and just life because you just have so much of it in you, babe. And I'm old, bitch. I'm old. <laughs> you, just, you just, I'm almost fifty. You're looking fantastic, though. Black doesn't crack, honey, because... (laughs) Thank God for melanin. Right. But, you know, Adiva always has had this this sense of knowing how to just nurture. She's always been a nurturer and just in her words. You know what I mean? There's so many different ways to nurture. And she is definitely one of the first people I've ever met that can nurture with words. And it hits Mm -hmm. every time. Like, you know... That's a power to have. That's absolutely. And look at how much she's achieved with that power. 
So I do want to talk about, too, with that power, you have hit the masses, my love. So tell us, what was your initial reaction when you got the call for Tamron Hall? And then when you got on stage, what were you like? What was in your head? Um, I almost peed my pants when I got the call. (laughs) Because it was something that we had wanted to do when the hardcover launched in May of 2022. Um, But it it just, we couldn't make it happen. And I didn't think, I mean, it's a soft cover launch. Like the soft covers in the publishing world don't typically get a whole lot of fanfare. Um, But my publishers really wanted to push it. I was like, okay. So they put feelers out to everywhere. And I got an email from my publicist like late Thursday night saying, hey, Tamron Hall wants to have you on their show. They need to know within the next half hour if you can be there next Monday. I said, so, um, yes. <laughs> next Monday. Hey. I did not Okay, have- absolutely, by all means necessary. <laughs> yes, and um, I didn't know how I was going to pay for it because they don't fly you out. Like, you got to pay for oh, it yourself. Wow. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, I don't have any money. <laughs> I don't have no money. <laughs> yes, I'll go, but hmm, shh. <laughs> I immediately called my best friend I'm like yo so um, Big Time just called and they want me she's like what do you need how much and I was like I need airfare and hotel she's like we got you Love it. and yeah. so my best friend and her husband booked my hotel and my airfare last minute Aww. not cheap from Tucson to New York City Ooh. no that's not cheap yeah I know it's not cheap yeah, yeah. And I was saying I'd stay in Times Square, so you know that wasn't oh, cheap. Yeah. Um, so, but my best friend is that person. She's like, when it's your time, it's your time. Right. You don't. You don't say no. You don't say let me think about it. You say yes, and we figure it out later. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I think everyone needs someone like that in their life um, to be like, whatever it is, like we're gonna make it happen. We're gonna do it. We'll figure yeah. it out. Say yes, we'll figure it out later. <laughs> that person um, in your amen corner. That's what I call yes, it. Yes, yes, exactly. And so I went and um, I don't know how this might come back to haunt me later, but I'm going to just say it. I had the worst case of bubble guts. <laughs> oh, no. On the day of, when you were like on air? I had the anxiety bubble <laughs> Look. It was. I was just like, no, oh, Jesus! Oh, no. <laughs> it was so like cause I was just so nervous and excited. Mm-hmm. Um, how often do you get the call to be on national TV? Right, like you don't want to mess this exactly. up. And it's Tamron Hall, who I've been watching since I was like ten, eleven, twelve years old. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was like, oh no, 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 no. And I'm wearing white pants. No, no, no. <laughs> no, not wearing white pants. Wearing white pants. Girl. Um, we got there. We got to the studio. It was kind of surreal. Like they send, they live, they do send the big black SUV to come pick you up at the hotel mm-hmm. with the driver. And I'm walking out of the hotel lobby and people are like, oh, what is that? I'm like, it's just me. Okay. <laughs> Don't mind me, Jeeves. <laughs> um, 
But you get in the van or you get in the SUV and they drive you to the back of the studio. And there are literally people waiting at the back of the studio to like see the celebrities walk in. And I get out of the van and they're like, oh. to the to the dressing room and there's all these like um goodies and snacks and little gift bags and everything and then they're like okay it's time and then my stomach started to rumble again I'm like no 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 <laughs> but I got onto the stage and it was just it was such a wild moment because there is the audience like there's all these people and then there's Tamron, who is like more beautiful in person. It's like talking to Bambi. Like her eyes. Uh-huh. Oh my God. Like done. <laughs> it's like literally like talking to a real life Bambi. Oh my. Um, but the audience was like so supportive. It was like, I felt like I was a little bit like in church because mm-hmm. the audience was just full of like just black aunties. And they're like, yes, girl. Yes, queen. And it was, just, it was just such a warm and welcoming experience. And it happened so fast. Yeah. So, so fast. The funny thing is, so right before I went on, there is this African singer, Angelique Kijo, that went on before mm-hmm. me. Angelique and I had met a few times because she performs out here sometimes. And she's world-renowned, Grammy-winning, amazing. So she goes on. She does her set. I go on. I'm leaving. Remember I told you there's people outside waiting. For this. <laughs> I come outside. This guy goes, can I have your autograph? I'm like, sure. He opens his book. It's a picture of Angelique. <laughs> it's her. That's the other black woman. We don't all look the same, okay? <laughs> he goes, oh, that's not you. I was like, no. <laughs> Just when you thought, you're like, I made it, okay? They know me by name. <laughs> I made it. No, bitch, you did not. God's like, and bring it back. <laughs> Remember who you are. <laughs> you are not that. <laughs> yeah. So I guess yeah. it's safe to say, while you were on set wearing your white pants, that you held it together. Literally and figuratively. Shoot. Sure did. Sure did. <laughs> Yes. And then I went out and had some champagne and celebrated the delicious lunch. But yeah, it was a whole moment. It was a whole vibe. Um, The show within two days had like 13,000 views. Um, Book sales shot through the roof that day. Um, So yeah, it was an amazing experience. It actually aired on repeat recently. And I got a whole another onslaught of book sales. So it's, it's been great. It's, it was a great experience. And the book is phenomenal. So, do you, no, you let people that. know where they can get Ain't That a Mother, please? Anywhere you buy books. You can get on Amazon. You can get at Barnes & Noble. You can get at your local bookstore. If they don't have it, request it. Um, they will order it for you. You can get it at your local library. If they don't have it, request <laughs> it. Um, I would highly recommend supporting your local independent bookseller. Nothing against Barnes and Nobles, but independent booksellers need love mm-hmm. too. Um, we need more of them in the community. Um, also materials request at libraries that makes a world of difference to an author because 
they will order more than one book because the library system orders the books. So they need books at each of their branches. So yeah, I highly recommend that. And also audiobook. You can get on Audible as well. And I read it on Audible. It's my voice. How was that experience reading your book and having it recorded? It was so much fun. I felt like Christina Aguilera because I had my little tea with me and I would sip my hot tea between takes. <laughs> um, but no, it was a really amazing experience. Um, there was definitely some parts where like you can hear me in the audio version like get choked up when I'm talking about like the miscarriage or the postpartum depression. Um, and my studio engineer was really great. She was like, just leave it. Leave it be. It's authentic. It's yes. real. It's how you experience it just leave it in there and everyone who has listened to the audio version said that they were so happy that it was me reading it and that it just made them connect a little bit more and the real is like there was no way i was gonna let someone else's voice read my story of my book with my face on the cover oh, and no, that's that's right. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. now that is literally what you call staying true to you know your your brand of who you are you know, a lot of artists do get those paid voice actors, but I can only imagine. I mean, we mentioned how therapeutic writing those books were. I can only imagine being able to recite your life, what you've lived, because you have it vividly in our brains. The reader, I'm sure, is visualizing it, but you are actually reliving it. So I'm yeah. sure that probably sealed the deal for you with, you know, moving along with, you know, yeah, it was it was a whole vibe. It was a whole vibe. Um, yeah. I hope I get to do it again. It was amazing. I am working on um, a novel right now, so I'm hoping that I get to do that um, audio as well. Love that. Ooh. Are you able to elaborate on like what kind of work it is? The novel. The, the novel. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's a mixture of auto fiction and speculative fiction, and what that means it's. Part it's inspired by my own life story, but it's fictionalized. Um, so only the people who were there or who know like my entire life story, the nitty gritty, will know what parts are real and what parts are fictionalized. Um, and speculative fiction involves like uh, surrealism and uh, spiritual spiritualism and other realms and stuff like that. And that is part of the book as well. It mixes the two. It's um, it's kind of a mind trip. It's tentatively called Eve, otherwise known as a collection of very loose threads. Mm, I can't wait for that. Woo! Yeah, I'm really loving it so far. Like, I, I love this book. I love it. So question, as far as like going into like TV and like pilots and stuff uh, based on the book, do you have a say-so on who's going to play you? Or are you going to play you? I would love to play me, but, um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have a say-so, right. absolutely. Yeah, and that. we that was one of the first things when we had our first meetings back in 2019. Um, I made it very clear. I was like, look, I'm a dark brown, big old girl. You cannot Halle Berry me. You cannot Gabrielle Union me. You cannot Megan Good me. I need a big black thick sister to play me. And they're like, well, who do you want? And I was like, well, this person, this person, or this person. That would be ideal. And they're like, okay. And they got my first choice. And I can't tell of you who course. it is. We just gotta wait and find out. <laughs> yeah. 
You yeah. guys have to wait. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But it's it's phenomenal. It's it's such a blessing. It's not something I ever imagined for myself. Mm-hmm. Like this was not on the radar. I was like, I'm just gonna write a book, yay. <laughs> and my agent was like, and you're also going to do this. I was like, oh, okay then. So yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. So the strike just ended. I don't know if mm-hmm. y'all know that the writer's strike just ended. Thank God. And the contracts are pretty like they negotiated so wonderfully to protect writers. Mm-hmm. And so now we're able to kind of get back to our pitching because we're in pitching phase to networks. And so, yeah. That is so exciting. Like, it's just like the whole journey, mm-hmm. just hearing, I'm just like, wow. So I know you, earlier you mentioned your daughter is 14 now. Um, what is she up to these days? Does she like have her own little personality? Like, does she have like little things that she likes, dislikes? Ooh. Personality. Yes. Uh, Yeah, my child is nothing but personality. Okay. Um, people like, well, she's your kid. I'm like, you know what? (laughs) The apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, Nia. Let's just say. I gotcha. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's she's a character. Um, she just started high school. Did not like it at first, but now she loves it. Mm-hmm. Um, she went to her very first high school football game on Friday. Oh, wow. And somehow this child managed to get herself taken onto the field and hung out with the cheerleaders during the game and watched from the sidelines. I was like, it's your first game. Like, what are you doing? I'm in this school. It's popular. Yeah. He's like, got pictures taken with the cheerleaders. It's like, oh, okay. I guess that's what we're doing. Um, but no, she's she's doing fantastic. She is a riot. She's got such a sense of humor about her. Like she's she's truly a, just a funny kid. Just a funny, funny kid. Her comedic timing is spot on. Um, but she's also she's got a temper and she's got that annoying ass teenage angst mm-hmm. where I get, so many times I'm like get out of my face just go go to your room and I don't like your attitude right now go to your room <laughs> until you can figure out how you want to address me and handle this situation you can be in there and think about it right um, but but it's typical teenage mm-hmm. crap right like yeah. weren't we all little ass hats to our parents yep, yep we've all done so, it we've back. all done it like yeah, yeah. And the funny thing is people are like, oh, you shouldn't be that way. And I think they say that because she's disabled. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, she don't get a pass. That wheelchair does not mean she gets a pass. It just acts however. Right. Absolutely. The girl gets grounded. She broke the bathroom door. Guess who didn't get to spend her birthday money and ended up buying me a new door with her credit card? New little gift card. Yeah. Happy birthday to you. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Oh, you thought you thought you could just bust through the door? No, give me that I'm gift card. Let's go to Home Depot. Pick out a door. And I absolutely <laughs> love that about what she does, Nia, because Emery is a typical teenager. She is no different from any other teenager, and I feel that sometimes right. because of disabilities, people tend to treat or be more lax with things. Exactly. And, yeah. yeah. Why? And there's no need to. The discipline should be the same. Yeah. 
the world is not going to give you a pass, so don't think you're going to get one here. Say that one more time. Yes. The world will not give you a pass. Right. They will not, like, they're going to be cruel to you. They're going to be mean. They're going to treat you a certain way. I'm not going to treat you the way the world is going to treat you, but I'm going to make sure that you're ready and that you, you understand what the expectations are. You know how to act accordingly. That's what we do here. You got to act accordingly. <laughs> That's the mama's love. That's what we're going to do here. Yeah, you're just really preparing her for the world. I mean, for, you know, everything has to go through it. Right. It's not hard. It's just in the world, there are consequences, right? There's rewards and there's consequences. Every action has a reward or a consequence. Mm -hmm. I'm just teaching you that here at home, too, because the world's not going to be nice about it. Mm -hmm. The world will put you in jail for some Mm -hmm. of the shit. Right. Yeah. So I'm making sure that you know what is acceptable and what is not. And we do it with love. It's kind of a mix between like strict and gentle parenting. Like she's allowed to tell me how she feels, which is I think something that like our generation, we didn't get. Like it was because I said so, Mm -hmm. right? Where that's not something I've ever said in this house. It is, there will never be a because I said so. It's an explanation. It's a conversation. It's, how do you feel about this? What do you think will work better? Yeah. But in the end, I have to make the final decision. Because at the end of the day, you're still the parent. You're still the right. Parent. Yeah. At the end of the day, I'm still the parent. But still validating her opinion, you know, that you make the final. Yeah. And like any parent, I fly yeah. off the handle. I do things that are just effed up. I say, I have said some things where I have to come back and be like, you know what? That was wrong. And I'm sorry. I should not have ever responded in that way i was angry i was irritated but that doesn't excuse right. it and i'm sorry and she's like i know I'm, i love you <laughs> <laughs> so but our parents never ever. did that ever did that there was no i'm sorry i whooped your ass it was like <laughs> Say something. Ask was, the first questions much later, if ever. No questions. Ever. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So it's trying to, you know, stop that that the generational curse. Uh, yes, we're not doing. We're not carrying that forward. We're not carrying that. Do as I say, not as I do. Forward. We're not carrying because I said so. Forward. We're not carrying spankings. Forward. That all stops. There are other ways to do it. When you know better, you do better. And especially nowadays, you try to spank a child, what are they going to do? they going to hit back. Like, these kids are built different. different. After we had our babies, I don't know what happened. Like, me and Nia talked about that in a couple episodes. What happened? I, I don't know. I it's don't a different know. era. That is amazing, though. Just like the whole... Just everything that you've been through, like in your life, it seems like something that may be an adversity to um, to some. It just seems like you've overcome every obstacle so far that's been put before you. And it seems like the therapy that you have received from your writing and through, you know, everything you've done um, so far, it, it's really, really a fascinating story. And yeah. I think it deserves to be a big motion picture. <laughs> studio, you know, let alone a TV show, but you know, let's look. Hey, I'm just 
Anybody watching? Let's do, let's get that. This girl has needed a TV show since I met her. Okay, like she has needed this. Okay, this has been a long road ahead. So, right. <laughs> the stories that yeah. we could tell. Oh, the my God. Like, you know, Sandra Ronson, and better watch out because you have some content and you have some stories you can tell that are based off of real life. So. I really like that. It's really cool. So thank you, thank you. So Deepa, where um, can our followers follow you on socials? Can you give your handles out for us? Yeah. So my Instagram handle is just at Adiba Nelson, A D I B A N E L S O N. Um, uh, Facebook. If anybody's still on Facebook, I know that's for old folks now. I don't know <laughs> if y'all still play on the Book of Faces. <clears throat> um, it's just Adiba Nelson writer. Um, like writer, not writer. Uh, <laughs> that's for the burlesque. Yeah, there we go. Look, look. <laughs> Bang just came out for a minute. <laughs> Why am I this way? Oh my I God. <laughs> what just happened? What just happened? Okay, look. Well, she's comfortable. <laughs> Adiba's comfortable. Look. Adiba, you fell into it. You fell into that one, Adiba. I slipped and fell right into it and onto it. Like, all of the... <laughs> onto it. <laughs> like, oh, God. Anyway, that's how you can find me. Um, yeah. that That's the best way. That's it. And then, of course, if you don't mind telling our um, viewers what your books are called so that they can check them out. Yes. Um, so the children's book is called Meet Clarabelle Blue. It's also available in Spanish as Conoce a Clarabella Azula, a Clarabella Azul. Um, there is Ain't That a Mother. Um, this is Ain't That a Mother. And then, oh gosh, this is, ah, well, up there. <laughs> Way up there is um the Spanish version of Meet Clarabelle Blue, and then in the end of next year there is uh Ya Oshun and Me, a story of love and braids that is coming out with mm-hmm. Macmillan's children's book, and then uh, Hazel's Best Day is coming out twenty twenty six also with Macmillan, which is also a children's book and it's about um a little disabled girl named Hazel going to her very first disability pride parade. Oh, yes. Wow. So I'm excited. All the characters, all the main characters in the children's books are always um, black or Afro-Latin and they're always visibly disabled because we don't see that in children's books. And so I'm trying to change that tide. Let the kids carry it. Let they can have the lead. Absolutely. You're going to change the world, my love. That's what it seems like. One book at a time, one TED Talk at a time, one television show, one podcast at a time. Period. Hopefully. <laughs> right, right. You're doing it. She's Thank like 2026. 20, she already has it laid out. Exactly. I'm trying. I love it. I'm so here for it. Thank you. Pam, what else do you have in closing for um for a DB here? No, I'm just once again, I've said it this entire episode. You don't understand how proud I am of you. Like I I just recall 15 years ago. Whoo, don't cry. Don't do it. Um, don't I'm not gonna do, do it. it. I'm not gonna do it. Just I remember 15 years ago, both of us talking about what we were gonna achieve. Yeah. And 
Look, look at what's going on. Look what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, Pam used to, we used to watch scary movies. Man. Man, we can tell you stories. All kinds of stories. So, but no. I know this one, Pam. I know she can tell some stories. So, I can only imagine. This one can tell some stories, too. Let me see. (laughs) We started from the bottom and now we're here. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in closing, y'all, it was just such a joy. It was so much fun catching up with Adiva Nelson, y'all. So, y'all make sure y'all go check her out on Instagram. Go check out those books and just be wowed and bewildered with all the knowledge she has and all the experience that she's gone through. It could teach you a thing or two about whatever you're going through in your life. And in closing, of course, I am Pamela Nicole and I have the lovely Mia J. And this is another episode of Dynasty Queens. Y'all don't forget to like and subscribe. Hit that bell notification. And stay tuned for the next one. See you next time. Bye.